permission to come aboard. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is a DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screen, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight, and let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. Okay, well, I'm so glad that we delayed our recording till Saturday today, Tim, because, <laughs> oh my goodness, the internet that just kept on giving today. Yes, it was it was the interface that kept on giving, which was good. Oh, there was a lot of fun stuff the last day. <laughs> I no, it like, and it was the last day. It, was, it yeah. was like Friday and then today. And it was really funny because I was texting with Ray because Ray and I watch football over text message. It's really kind of fun. So I was watching my Alabama game and and Ray was like, you're not on Twitter now, are you? He was like, no, why should I be? <laughs> and he started sending me pictures. I was like, oh, good to know. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Crimson Tide can wait, right? No, no, no. I kept on watching my game because <laughs> we were kicking, we were kicking Texas A&M's butt, but yeah. you know. What can I say? What can you say? Oh, man. We'll get into that in a little bit. But, man, that, that was kind of fun. And actually, it started, like, after we dropped our last episode. Because that's where we got the first good picture of yes. Joaquin Phoenix, you know, put out by Todd Phillips. That was, uh, that like, came out right after we had published our episode. I'm like, oh, oh well. We'll definitely be talking about that next week. I didn't expect us to get as much as we did after that photo. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's in, we, we'll talk about it. When we get there, we're, we're going to talk about it. Because there's, do I look like a man with a plan? <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Yes. yes, you do. Yeah. Well, guys, we have a couple other shows we would encourage you to go out and listen to because we're part of the Suicide Squadcast network. We have DC Comics Squadcast, and that's with Chris and Jordan. You know, talking about you know some of the DC comics coming out every week. Uh, go listen to those guys. We also have with Ray and Brent. We have Fans Without Borders and DC TV Squadcast, and we are actually about ready to talk some DC Universe TV. I know, which is going to be kind of fun because as we d- as we said last week, there. They're going to start covering it on their show on DC TV Squadcast, and we're going to devote uh, a short segment at the end of our episode yeah. to the original programming that will start coming out October 12th with Titans. Yeah. So Tim and I have been talking about what that's going to look like, the scheduling. We're going to we're gonna kind of wait to see what the shows look like to see how we're going to integrate into our show, but you will be getting our opinions, and you can also tune to DC TV Squadcast and get Ray and Brent's opinions as well. Yeah. So. And then Chris and Jordan, I don't know if they watch any TV. I think all they do is just read. They just read comics. They don't have time to watch television. No, I don't no. know what you're talking about. No, yeah, we don't let them. <laughs> they, have, <laughs> they have to get their comic reading in every week. Go back to your cage! <laughs> all right. Oh, and of course, we want to thank all of our patrons over on patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. And we want to invite you, if, you've, if you're able to support us and you appreciate what, you're, what we're doing here and you want to help us keep the lights on, please go over to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia media uh five dollars a month gets you access to that special rss feed with bonus content b-roll side conversations uh entire shows uh tim you just dropped uh, our uh suicide squadcast movies review of road to perdition this week as a matter of fact yeah that was a that was a such a fun episode such a yeah. fun episode on such a fa- spoiler alert a fantastic <laughs> movie yeah it's fantastic movie uh and i also like kind of some of the feedback we were getting this week on social media and by the way further proof that our show is is providing more sales for <laughs> the studio and dc comics related properties because we had i think it was nathan nathan yeah bought a bought a blu-ray a copy of road to perdition yes, yes. he did so in your face we are definitely helping sales <laughs> with that one sale and I would also like to just personally send a thank you to all the great feedback I've gotten for um, the Beer with Batman episode that I did with uh, Earth One Tim. I've really appreciated the the positive vibes and all the interaction that I've gotten from that episode. And so I just want to say thank you to all you guys. If you if you don't know what that is, I did it in like a two and a half hour conversation where Earth One Tim from Thought Bubble Audio and I discussed every episode of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. So that's on there as well. And I 
I do believe that our next movie Squadcast episode is going to be Superman 3. So that's going to be a doozy. Uh, and I have to tell you this, you know, you know how sometimes, you know, on my, my commute, uh, our commute uh, to work, I listen to movies. I actually downloaded that movie, put it on my phone, and I listened to that one on the way. And I got to tell you, ah. Don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> oh. I have oh, I have stories. I have stories for that episode. So if you want to listen to any of this content, please Patreon.com/squadcastmedia. That five dollar a month tier is the one that will get you access. So enough of all that business talk. Yes, let's get to the news. Let's get to the real business here. And it's all Joker all the time. What <laughs> can I say? This has been the week where Todd Phillips just was the man who kept on giving. Yeah, and it actually started like early in the week when he put that in. Instagram post out there, which it's just a great portrait, I guess. I don't know if you would you call it exactly, but just a, a straight on shot of it's a headshot. Basically. It's just a headshot of Joaquin Phoenix. It's seemingly in character as Arthur Fleck, who he's going to be playing. You mean a Fleck? Yeah, a Fleck. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. It's there. I know. It is there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. OK, let's just forget you said that. <laughs> no, don't forget. I said that. <laughs> don't. So Todd Phillips put that out there and it's just like, oh, it's just great. I'm like, and I was just kind of hopeful and like man maybe we're gonna see more like you know maybe we're gonna see him pretty active with social media because he, he put out that first image of uh just him like in this like kind of noir smoking photo of himself and i'm like i really like the vibe he's kind of putting out there and then you know you get this thing and i'm like okay i'm i'm, I'm definitely all in like he's joaquin and phoenix really kind of transformed he he really looks like he's gonna fit the part and i'm like okay i just can't wait till we get any kind of confirmation it'll probably be a while and we get that set video of him messing with the clown yeah and, like throwing his nose I mean, it was, it just didn't stop this week. It felt like every day, it wasn't every day, but it felt like every day there was, there was a new photo, there was a set video, and nobody was pulling these things down. They were just kind of being allowed to exist on the internet. Yeah. And I've noticed, and Tim, I need to ask you, have you noticed how a lot of the same people who were moaning and groaning about this movie are suddenly getting a little excited about this movie? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say, I've always been pretty excited about this. I love the whole idea of, you know, whatever they call this banner of films. I mean, we still don't know what it's going to be called. I think we've kind of been loosely calling it like the Black Label banner um, to kind of go along with what they're doing in the comics. But I, I think the potential is there to really do some just really fun and exciting things and new takes on these characters and, and really throw out the the thing that kind of hampers all these films is, you know, the shared universe. The shared universe is great. I mean, we all want that, you know, for the main storyline of these characters. But like to have a director that they can attract and come in say you can take this one character you can do whatever you want with it it allows Warner Brothers to kind of give that promise that that promise that they always say that they're like a filmmaker driven studio it kind of gives them a chance to do this and it seems like that's what they're doing with this well and then we've got uh, and then with some of the photos we've gotten confirmation like Zazie Beats is in the movie like she's on set in yeah. character yep. so that's been kind of like confirmed there have been some really interesting photos of Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck and then not to mention just the just the gift of him as the Joker that we got today on Saturday. Well, but that's but you, you're, you're skipping the thing that came in between that. So well, the camera test, the camera test. And so that was just I think it was first put out by Todd Phillips on Instagram. I think that's where he first it was. And then Warner Brothers Pictures shared it on Twitter. Yes, they did. Yeah. And 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 that was such a great one because, you know, you get you, you get the guess whose song. I, I, I don't know the title. Is it laughing? I don't. I don't know. I, I just don't know the title of the, the song, but you know, of course, I knew it. It's like I think from the '60s or seven, '60s or early '70s. I don't remember exactly the era, but it's an old classic rock song. It's just called "Laughing." It's just called "Laughing." Okay. It's just called "Laughing," and uh, it's the Guess Who. Yeah, it's it's the Guess Who is the band. Yeah. Yes. And uh, but what was great is it just it was it was like um, it was a video along the same lines of that picture that Todd Phillips posted, and you get walking. Phoenix just kind of sitting there looking kind of serious and then starting to get a little bit of a grin and as it's kind of like slowly zooming into him you're getting these little flashes that you could see it's like oh that's like it's like white makeup that's like the Joker behind him and you're sitting there wondering like okay is this going to be it is this the tease that they're just going to like flash this thing and you never quite see Joker but then they suddenly like 
kind of cut to Joker himself, or at least in the Joker makeup. And I would say we still don't know exactly if that's going to be the final Joker appearance, but clearly um, they were putting it out there because they knew a video of this was going to get out pretty much the very next day. <laughs> yes, and, uh, it's 19, and it was 1969 was the song. But I love that first lyric, I should laugh, but I cry. Okay, yeah. Oh, what a, what a great. But I, but you also notice, who was the main uh, source of the video in the pictures? It was TMZ. Who's TMZ owned by? Oh, Warner Brothers. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is all being very strategically planned here. Because look at the internet. The internet is suddenly going gaga over the idea of this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. So they're, they're, they're generating hype. Now, granted, it's hype a year away, but they've turned a crowd of people who might have been like, this is interesting, or why do we need this? Or I don't know. And suddenly everyone's like, can it be October 2019 already? <laughs> but it's not just a crowd of people of like the usual suspects that kind of like are in tune with, you know, the, the genre. But now it's like, you know, you're getting tons of people that had no idea this film was even happening. Like they had no clue. And then suddenly like you're getting these images. And so it really reminded me back of, you can go back to our very first episode, you know, on this podcast. We talked about Suicide Squad. And at the same time, we were kind of talking about the footage that was out there in that Warner Brothers was not doing anything to tamp down on the set footage of Batman on top of the the Lamborghini or actually what was the vehicle whatever it was the Joker yeah I don't it was it was it was a kit car it was, it was a, a kit, kit car. car yeah yeah on top of that vehicle going around and they just let that footage get out there and they didn't stop any of it from in fact even even during filming they had people literally on the street with their cameras filming it and if you actually watch the film you could actually see those people in the background <laughs> so they did not care and you know what happened when that footage started getting out there it, the whole hype for Suicide Squad just blew up and the exact same thing is happening here so it's 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 all part of the plan <laughs> I mean it just it really is yeah and we're, we're getting we're getting a casting press release now from that you know that's being released officially from Warner Brothers uh, it's being done you know it, this was the week I feel like the, this was the marketing department's week of we're going to be filming on location we have no way of hiding it kind of like Suicide Squad mm -hmm. where it was on the streets of Toronto it's like we can't hide this so let's make it an event basically yeah you know this is something that you know I'm starting to put it more together in my head like this is one of the big differences between like say Suicide Squad and you know you take this film and and even some of the stuff from Batman v Superman um, you know where you saw a lot of the footage out in uh, like you saw Bruce Wayne in Detroit you know, yeah. in Detroit and that kind of thing when you saw a lot of the filming in Detroit like there was just a lot of buzz and a lot of hype and then you take something like Justice League and we saw almost nothing from it. It was all done on like on a soundstage. And it's amazing how just getting this stuff out there and letting the, and I, I put this in quotes, the magic of social media, just kind of like take it from there and just let it spread like wildfire. And it's it's kind of interesting. Like, I think there's a ton of value to just letting this stuff get out there. It's free marketing. It's freaking free marketing. You don't have to put a poster up. You don't have to buy ad space. You just let people spread it like a virus on their own. Yeah. And so like, and just still going back to like, say Justice League, we saw nothing, you know, we saw almost nothing from that film. Yeah. We had the one set visit report, you know, the big, everything you want to know about Justice League, but we're afraid to ask. And then, the, and then it was crickets until the first trailer dropped. But not just that, you didn't have like, you, you didn't have people getting raw footage of scenes and posting it out there. I mean, there might've been a couple of things. I, I just, I honestly don't remember offhand here, but like, you just didn't have that. You didn't have that like, kind of like natural buzz building up. And I, I think that's something that they need to continue to just keep considering. And, you know, they're probably already are probably well aware of this, but like, I, I just think it's super valuable to just let, you know, just let people get these images out there. I mean, the same thing kind of happened with Shazam. You know, we were getting all these different images for Shazam and it just kind of created buzz about a film that most people didn't even know was happening. Yeah. Uh, we also got a casting, uh, an official casting announcement this week uh, from Deadline that uh, Brett Cullen has been cast as Thomas Wayne, the role that Alec Baldwin recently uh, exited. Now, I know this guy. I, I loved him on Person of Interest. He he played uh, Michael Emerson's dead partner that you only saw in flashbacks, so I've enjoyed him, but he's been in, he's been in comic movies before. He was in Ghost Rider, the, the Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider. He was in Dark Knight Rises. He was in an episode of The Incredible Hulk for CBS. This guy's work, this guy gets work. He's one of those great character actors, and he's been cast as Thomas Wayne, who apparently, based on some of the set photos we saw today, is running for mayor of Gotham City. <laughs> so that's 
that's going to be an interesting twist yeah. to the tale. And that happened quickly, too, because, I mean, the whole Alec Baldwin thing um, just kind of like... That was like two weeks ago or something. It wasn't, yeah, maybe two or three weeks ago, but it wasn't wasn't long, and then now we're seeing posters with, you know, with Brett on it, <laughs> you know, playing Thomas Wayne, you know, from the set photos that were out there. So, oh, it's, it's kind of cool. I, I, I have to say, though, I did want Alec Baldwin. I just think thought it would have been fun, but I can understand why he probably wouldn't want to do that, considering he's playing a political character on Saturday Night Live. So <laughs> I could just see, you know, a, a, that being another reason not to, you know, go down this road again. Yeah. Uh, the There was a subway map in the set photos that got released today. Yeah. That is like a treasure trove of East of DC Comics Easter eggs. Yeah. Uh, we did want to talk about just a few of them that we noticed. Now, you've got you've got the text messages that we, we were sending to each other. So well, you want to run down some of the stuff that we spotted just to give the listeners a chance to compare notes to what we found? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm Well, if, if you're anywhere on social media, you've probably seen all these. But if you're not really on it, we'll tell you some of the ones that are in this map. So it's a subway map. So it's it's showing different parts of Gotham City, uh, some of the different burgs. And one of them, the first one I saw was Otisburg. <laughs> Otisburg? <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bitty place. Otisburg? So Otis finally got his place. <laughs> Except for it was in Gotham City. It was in Gotham City. But actually, I, I, you know, and I appreciate that as an Easter egg because, you know, any anyone who's just a fan of this genre and these characters and all that and just as even appreciates all the old films, like, immediately gets that. I'm like, oh, I appreciate the fact that, you know, you'll never see this on screen. <laughs> You're only seeing it because it's somebody got a picture on a set. But I just love the idea that they, you know, the people, the production designers and all that, that somebody's actually paying attention to this stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, and there's, oh, there's a mixture of, there's a lot of name drops of yeah. famous of famous people associated with DC Comics, specifically Batman, yeah. that are on there. But then there's actual boroughs and sections of the city that are that are comic book canon. Right. Like you've got Kane County, you've got Amusement Mile, you've got the Bowery, you've got Burnside. Like I didn't see the Narrows though. I know I didn't see the Narrows either. But the Narrows was created uh, in Batman Begins. That wasn't comics canon until the Nolan films. Right. But it's in the comics now. Right. But because of the Nolan films. Right. So it's so they're but they're creating some of their own. Like I saw the Burrow of Snyder. I kind of appreciated that. <laughs> but is it is it Scott or Zach? I want to say it's both. I want to <laughs> say it's a two for one special. Right. Um you saw Starlin Avenue, of course, Jim Starlin, longtime contributor and creator. Uh yes, you also saw Grant Street for Alan Grant, longtime Batman writer. Yeah. You saw Nolan Lane. Nolan Lane. Going back to Christopher Nolan. Uh exactly. you saw Englehart Boulevard, which is Steve Englehart. Famous artist. Uh, uh, writer. He was a writer. Okay. Yeah. I, he, he, that's that era where I I'm, <laughs> I've, I get fuzzy about the writers and the artists. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, I thought one borough was interesting. Uh, Hinkley Borough, which I, I'm i interpreting that as a callback to the uh, taxi driver because of the Scorsese connection. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know their history, John Hinckley, of course, famously shot President Ronald Reagan on March 30th, 1981, yeah. because he wanted to get Jodie Foster's attention because he became obsessed with her after seeing her as a 12-year-old prostitute in Martin Scorsese's film Taxi Driver. So <laughs> I think that's interesting. This, <laughs> it really is. It really is. And the fact that they even did that, like, it, it really shows a real understanding of, like, these real-life kind of interactions that are all kind of entangled here. Oh, yeah. And, of course, there was Jack Street, which I'm going to say is either Jack Napier or Jack Nicholson or both. Yeah. There was Prince Street. Yeah. There was an Adams Street. Oh, of course there was. I was disappointed there wasn't anything O'Neill-related. Or or it just is something that because of the, the resolution of the photo that when I zoom in, I just can't see it. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else we spotted? Because that's quite a few we spotted. Yeah, I don't know. There's probably a couple others and there might be some other ones that are Easter eggs that I just am not connecting with. But Right. You know, and we're only seeing, you know, we're only seeing part of it. Like the whole Burnside part, we can't really read any of those uh, those uh, transit stops. No, we but, can't. Yeah. So, and and there's probably some writers and artists that's like, I you're probably a writer and artist from somewhere in the 50s and the 60s that I just don't know who you are. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. And then we kind of have to talk about the scene. I mean, we'll go ahead and talk about it because it's out there. And 
Um, they want it out there. They want that, it out they there. They want it out there. Yes. Yeah. We get a scene uh, in the, the same makeup that we saw from the little screen test, you know, that Todd Phillips put out there. We actually see Joaquin Phoenix uh, in, a, in a live action scene here, jumping out of a subway car and pulling off a mask and then having that same makeup that we saw from the screen test underneath. But I thought that was just test footage. I didn't think that was going to be the actual Joker makeup. Yeah. No, it was kind of funny. I, I do kind of have to <laughs> laugh how when that test footage came out that you had some of the usual suspects jump on and go, oh, that's not the final makeup or that's not the makeup that they're going to use. It's just test makeup. And that was done before he's even cast. And no, it's exactly the same. It's exactly because there <laughs> it is. He's in full costume in a costume that reminds me a lot of Romero's costume from Batman 66, like the color scheme. Yeah. It's got kind bit. of that more of that red um, burgundy look to it that I really like the suit. Yeah. I, I, I dig the Joker suit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. I, I, I always get excited when you see a new interpretation of, you know, how they're going to uh, put Joker on the screen. And this one actually is kind of a combination of, I'd say, Heath Ledger's Joker. Definitely some Nicholson in there. There's a little Nicholson. Yeah. So it's 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 cool to see. I, I kind of have this hope that, you know, that he gets the, you know, he gets dumped in the acid at some point or the acid bath as this with this clown makeup on. It, and that's what kind of infuses into his skin. I, you know, And you know what? And if it is just makeup, I'd be perfectly fine with that, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, he's got the what really screams Ledger's Joker to me is just the long stringy hair. Yeah, that's green, very similar looking, very similar looking. But otherwise, I mean, this is why I this is why I've become excited because I'll fully admit I was a person who was I was never I was never down on this movie. I was just kind of like eh. But yeah, I, I, I'm looking at Joaquin going no, I'm I'm down. I, I'm now I'm down for this. It's like I want this. I want to see this movie now. I mean Joaquin is just such a dynamic fantastic actor like anything he does I I, I know we've I, we've talked about this before and I pretty much have loved almost everything he's done and uh, and I just I cannot wait to see what his take is going to be on this character like you know we've seen some of the action some of the, the video from the set and we're not getting audio with it but I just can't wait to see you know <laughs> all that like dubbed in uh, it's going to be this is going to be something special people well uh, quick Aquaman side note uh, sources are saying that the Aquaman premiere is set for December 12th at the Chinese Theater in Los Angeles, which was the same place that they held the Wonder Woman premiere. So I think that speaks confidence to the film, that they feel like they've got another Wonder Woman-sized hit on their hands. Speaking of Wonder Woman, how about you tell us about this... I feel like it's not it, it, it's kind of news because it's confirmation. Well, it's kind of confirmation, but I mean it's it, this was actually an interview that Hans Zimmer did with uh, Frosty over at Collider. And you know, they were talking about some of the other work that he's doing right now, but kind of like towards the end of the interview, the question was asked, you know, you know, you you're coming back to score another DC film, in particular Wonder Woman 1984, you know, you know, basically why did you do it? How does it feel? And he said it was an odd thing to say yes to because his friend Rupert that he had worked really hard at getting Rupert the job in the first place for the Wonder Woman film. Uh, but he remembers that the Wonder Woman theme was actually his. <laughs> he says, I wrote the damn thing. And we had done it live because, you know, he had been touring live at the time and, and they actually been performing it live. And he says it became more and more interesting. And I just thought it was important for him to kind of finish it. And then he said Patty Jenkins phoned him and said that she had this really interesting idea as well. And the story that she was going to tell or the one that she's right now telling on set, it's a story that I want to be a part of. Great. Welcome back, Hans. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> we're so glad. We're so glad to have you back. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, just quick side note: Did he talk any about Dark? Like, is he still on for Dark Phoenix? I, I you know, I kind of skipped through that part of the interview, so I don't know exactly what he said. But as I, my understanding is, he is okay based on uh, kind of like the the header in the video that I saw. Okay, cool. That's, that's just I just I'm so scared about what's going on with that movie. It's <laughs> like, please, 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 let me still have glorious Hans music. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I don't care what film he does. I just I pretty much buy almost every soundtrack he does. Amen. Hey, amen. Yeah, yeah. Especially the films that you didn't realize he scored. And it's like, oh, he did that? Cool. <laughs> Sold. Yeah, and, and you haven't picked up Sherlock Holmes yet, have you? No, I haven't. But I could probably get on Apple Music. So. Okay, yeah. You need to you need to listen to that one. That, I, I really like that first one. Oh, I love that. I, I love that film. I love the music in the film. Like I said, that was one of those things you were like, oh, Hans wrote that? <laughs> Sold. Thank you. Okay, so Birds of Prey stuff also kind of... Well, this was... The, the Birds of Prey stuff that hit this week was like a mixture of this is the rumor stuff and this is the trade stuff so it's like great there's some grain of salt mixed in I feel like
like with some of this Birds of Prey news. Would you agree? Well, I think there is to some degree, but when Production Weekly, who actually, you know, it's it's an actually it's a it's a magazine, you know, for people in the trade that actually talks about when things are happening. So this is really kind of like a magazine that tells people like, hey, you know, there's these crews forming. This this is the time frame, and it's it's basically to let people in the industry kind of know what's going on. It's kind of like the one ad. It's almost like the one ads. Like, okay, you want a job? Here's where you kind of want to be. Yeah. Well, the, so in there, it says that filming is going to begin January 14th in Los Angeles for this film. Okay. So right around the corner. And apparently the working title is going to be uh, Fox Force 5. <laughs> Which is a callback, of course, if you know the Pulp Fiction. Yes, exactly. So that making you think about Uma Thurman's character, which would who would fit pretty nicely into a Birds of Prey movie. So there, there you go. That would be interesting. Uh, that would be interesting. And then Hollywood Reporter has been getting their, you know, quotes, sources, talking about the actresses that are being uh, looked at for different roles. And I'll be honest, except for a couple of them, it's a lot of people I've never heard of. Yeah. So I'm I'm familiar with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's been in a lot of stuff I'm familiar with, particularly Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. She was Ramona. Uh, and then uh, this Sophia, and I don't want to butcher her last name, but she was... A she was in Kingsman, and she was in uh, Atomic Blonde, and she was in Hotel Artemis. Apparently, she's being considered for a role, and uh, then a whole bunch of other actresses that, like I said, I could rattle off the names, but they don't mean anything to me. But a very diverse, wide net that they're throwing for actresses for these roles. Which is good, and and that's that's the thing that they've been saying they've been, that was a big priority for them for quite a while anyway, and it also kind of falls in line with you know what Warner Brothers is trying to kind of lead by yes because we talked about that uh, policy they kind of put into place a couple of weeks ago. So. But it's not just that. Like, that policy, if you remember, if you go back to Suicide Squad, I mean, Suicide Squad was so successful financially. And one of the things that was so stunning about it is it had really strong cinema scores with... Minorities. You know, with, with minorities and in, like, a more of a diverse audience and all that. So, like, I, I think I think that was kind of, like, part of the thinking here is realizing, like, hey, you know, we get this whole vast audience out there that really wants to see themselves represented. And uh, I'm glad to see that they're they're you know they're looking to do the exact same thing here with Birds of Prey. Well, when you make almost seven when you make over 750 million without China, I mean, it's like <laughs> right. hello McFly. <laughs> it's like it, it, it. Someone needs to look at the numbers and go, yes, please. Yeah. So I do want to talk about this real quick. Um, these images kind of made their way to the internet, and uh, just want to give you our opinion on it. So over at Ben Affleck's house, uh, we've obviously had some paparazzi, you know, stalking him out because he's he's in rehab now for like the third time in, in you know, a relatively short amount of time. Uh, so obviously dealing with some some very important personal issues here. Well, Kevin Sujahara and Toby Emmerich uh, showed up to pay a visit to Ben Affleck's house. And there was a lot of people that are kind of jumping on and saying, okay, maybe they're going to talk to him about Batman. Maybe they're going to do whatever. And and I think you need to throw all that out the window. In the end, like, I think the thing that matters here is, you know, they've got commitments with him beyond um, DCEU. There's like a film he's about ready to start filming, and I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I can't remember either. I mean, and, and he's in their stable of directors. Yeah. I mean, and so it's one of those it's one of those deals where they have an asset, and they're probably checking in on their asset. Yeah. I mean, well, they have to know, like, and I think the the, the film that he's about ready to film, uh, in it, he's playing somebody that's kind of a recovering alcoholic. And, and I think my guess is they're looking at that and saying, okay, you know, is this really the right time for him to play that character <laughs> you know maybe this is a little bit too close to home so i mean it could be something like that it could also be you know hey you know we just want to check up on you make sure you're doing okay is there anything we could do to support you know we we have no idea what the visit is for but i can tell you one thing it's probably has nothing to do with batman so nothing that this has something to do with batman that i kind of enjoyed with joe meganello meeting frank <laughs> miller at keystone comic-con and getting a print of dark night Returns number one signed and i think it said something like hello mr deathstroke with a with a frank miller batman sketch on it i'm just like i love love Joe Meganello because he's such a fanboy. He, <laughs> he really, really is. is. He really, he really is. is. Especially since today he, uh, he tweeted out the fact that Telltale Games is apparently going under tier because I still haven't finished playing Batman, the Telltale series, and I, I have to finish that now because I just, I, I'm going to be sad that those games don't exist anymore. But I, it, once again, it's the reason that it really kind of sucks that we're not, that we've heard nothing about him playing Deathstroke in the future because he is such a fanboy. Yeah. And I want good things for 
him. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they're getting all that stuff worked out. We'll let you know as soon as we find out anything. <laughs> um, speaking of finding out something, so remember quite a while ago, you know, we heard about there was all these you know potential Joker films, you know, uh, at play or Harley Quinn films, and it started to get kind of confusing. In fact, we even heard like Margot Robbie kind of talk about it. She wasn't really sure what was going on. So we had the Birds of Prey film, we had um, like a, a Suicide Squad two sequel, and then we had heard this thing about Harley Quinn and the Joker um, being a film. Well, that was put out there that it was going to be directed and and have the screenplay written by Glenn Ficarra and John Requa. And so we haven't heard anything in quite a while. We weren't really sure what was going on. Well, they were interviewed by Metro, and they talked about how um, they've actually turned in the script. They said they handed in the script for this film, and he says, and they've said that everybody's loved it, but they don't really know when they're going to actually do the film because because right now he knows that the Birds of Prey is a priority, and they're going to be doing the Joker film coming up next. And then he says maybe after you know Birds of Prey goes well, that you know their film would actually be next. And uh, they did describe their film, or at least their take on where this would go, as kind of a mesh between uh, Bad Santa and This Is Us. Which, um, unfortunately, Tim and I now have to go into our <laughs> box of shame to say we have, uh, I have never, there's, I have neither seen Bad Santa nor have I seen This Is Us, no matter how much my wife bugs me about watching <laughs> it, because she loves it. Yeah. What's your excuse? <laughs> Time. <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse. That's always my excuse. That's always your excuse. So, we don't know what this means. So, for those of you who are in the know, enjoy what this means. Yeah. Uh, the one little funny tip bit about this they describe it as uh, that their take is great because the whole thing starts out with uh, harley quinn kidnapping dr phil and they said played by dr phil hopefully because her and the joker are having problems with their relationship (laughs) which is kind of like an episode of the animated series the batman that was written by paul dini very similar very similar thing happened in that cartoon series yeah so who knows we we have no idea if this thing is going to make it uh, you know to the big screen or not but at least it's a little bit of an update like you know when that first kind of came out that um, that they wanted to do this film the only thing we had ever heard was about you know Glenn and John being attached to the film and we haven't really heard much since then so got a little bit of an update anyway <laughs> and then today while I'm watching football while Joker set picks are dropping on the internet um, a couple of people decided to get rather um, active on Twitter today with some very interesting comments about past DCEU projects. <laughs> uh, David Ayer was one of them, apparently. Uh, somebody responded to a tweet that had David Ayer tagged in it, uh, talking about, and I will, I'll, I'll read this. Love her new friends? LOL. She knew them for one day. Also, this cheesy friendship they made is BS. The squad was forced to work together. They actually hate each other. The real Harley would betray them and choose Jay over them. And then David Ayer quote tweeted this and said exactly this <laughs> so it's it's so funny he just comes and he goes yeah i agree <laughs> that doesn't make any sense yeah and then someone responded to his quote tweet by saying so it's impossible for harley to have the squad be her friends but it's possible for diablo to call them his family which is it do they hate each other or love each other and david Ayer responded two different characters harley's arc was vastly simplified it's fun to play gotcha but remember released film was was very different from original assembly. <laughs> oh. Okay, David. I want to see that assembly cut now. <laughs> I do. What are you talking about? I, you, know, you can go on record to know that I have said since the movie came out that I have wanted to see the assembly cut. Oh, I go know. back to our review, and I've been saying that the whole, the all along the way. Yeah. Well, the the thing with this one is like, I, like even here, it's kind of even implied that it never really went beyond the assembly cut. Like once they got the assembly cut, they kind of shifted some of the narratives in the film. But I would also argue, look back at Stephen Price's score that was fully composed, right? With with track titles that match up, and then even that got chunked out for the uh, for the the top. 40 radio soundtrack that ended up, you know, selling, going platinum. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there was some changes still. I mean, it, it was far enough along that Stephen Price was able to write a score for it that ended up getting chucked out the window. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully we get that one someday. I still want to see a lot of that Joker footage. That I'm sh- There's all kinds of takes I'm sure they took just trying to see what would stick. There's got to be yeah. a lot 
of fun, interesting things in here. Oh, well, and the whole third act Joker plot that yeah. we still have photos of the burn face and the grenade. That's like, yeah. I still want to see how that played out. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, there might be an avenue down the road because um, especially with this, you know, this new label where they're going to do, you know, probably more bolder takes on some of these characters. Who knows? They may, you know, we may see this thing get repackaged and released at some point. Or, or as a lot of people have suggested on the internet, go the cheap free route and just drop it on DC Universe. Yeah, just the assembly cut, huh? Or, or, or whatever version. Like, just they have a digital outlet that does not require them to spend production costs on producing physical media. Yeah, drop. You know, you can drop it there, kind of like Netflix. No, drop it there, let it live there for a while, see how well it does, and if it does well enough, then you can produce physical media for it later if you so choose. Because that's what Netflix does. That's what Amazon does. Yeah, I'd be all for it. Okay, so this next bit, I want to talk about kind of the reemergence of Diane Nelson, former president of DC Entertainment and the Warner Brothers Consumer Products Group. As we know, like kind of late last year, you know, when Justice League came out, you know, there started being a shakeup in a lot of the management on the film side, especially. And heads began to roll. Heads began to roll. And then kind of around that time, you know, I know the reporting structure changed on the DC Entertainment side. Jeff Johns was moving on to something else at the time. We didn't quite know what it was. Um, we didn't know he was moving out. Uh, John Berg uh, basically got fired from what we can tell. And he moved to it doing a, his own kind of production deal. And then Diane Nelson, earlier in the year, she actually went on... Medical like leave. Kind of a medical leave of absence. And, you know, who knows what that was for, but whatever it was, is quite personal. And uh, she eventually, when she came back from medical leave, she just decided to go ahead and leave the company. Well, she's she had kind of deleted all of her social media at one time. And uh, so she was just kind of like off the map. Well, she's back now. And she's got a new Twitter address. And um, when she, when Wonder Brothers put out the the Todd Phillips uh, camera test for the Joker footage. She responded to it and she said, love it. Great story, great actor, specific and a string vision from talented director. I think she meant strong. Vision. I think she meant stirring strong. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, what DC should have been uh, doing since Nolan, even if diehard fans struggle with his vision and hashtag good movies are good movies. Well, this sounds, this sounds familiar. This sounds like <laughs> something that maybe we've been saying for the last three years. Right. Uh, and I have to say like, Man, some people got what she was saying, but then there were some other people, and you know who you are. We're just really kind of hammering into her, and and I'm just like, wait a minute, just pull it back a notch. Like I, I felt like they, I think there's a group of people out there that want to put the blame of all the stuff that happened with Justice League and throw her into that as well. And I've never quite understood that because that's not her. That wasn't what her job was. Like she was not part of the film division. She had a working relationship, obviously, with Jeff Johns. And and she, you know, she worked pretty heavily in the DC TV side, uh, trying to get some of their properties pushed out to a bunch of different DC shows on different networks and all that. And of course, on the consumer product side. But like the film side was Jeff Johns and John Berg and all the other players that we, you know, we know about. And I see people like kind of criticizing her for what happened with Justice League. And I just, I don't, I think it's unfair because I don't think there's any evidence that she had anything really to do with that. And people seem to point to that one uh, article in Vulture where she was interviewed uh, with Jeff Johns and in the one quote in particular which which actually was on the Batman on Film podcast when they had interviewed Abraham Reisman the author of that article and he said there was a quote from his interview with Diane Nelson that um, she gave but it didn't make the article and it was this it says she said we are a director driven place and Zack Snyder had a vision that didn't necessarily sync up with what our vision of these characters is but we respect that he wanted to go for that and that's part of our philosophy and some people took that as like you know because because they didn't agree totally with his takes on the characters, that she was like part of the reason that it was next. And even in this quote, it says here that they respected that because that was part of their philosophy, basically creator-driven types of attitudes. And remember, this is the quote that ended up not being published in the article itself. Right. Now, some would say, and can I play devil's advocate for one second here? Yeah. Just to, some would say that this was just continuing to be part of the, the spin we were given in 2007 
2017 that those of us who tried to remain positive about the DCEU and what was going on leading up to Justice League, that that was just more of the smokescreen. Because we can look back now and see we were given a whole bunch of lies and a whole bunch of smokescreen leading up to Justice League. And I think some people might look at this and say this is part of it, but I also think it's important to notice that this is a quote that never made it into the article. Yeah. Well, and that's what said too. I mean, so I mean, we would we would call it like we see it, you know, with the best information we know at the time. And and I haven't seen anything that tells me that she, you know, takes any responsibility in what happened with Justice League or should take any responsibility. Well, we'll look at what she said on Twitter today, which was when someone quote tweeted her tweet and then responded snakes in the grass. Diane Nelson actually had the cojones to respond to this person directly and tweet, I happen to count Zack Snyder among those things. If you are insinuating otherwise, no snake here. Yeah. And it was like, and I'm like, she knew what that meant and yeah. she went for it. I mean, that was, she went for the jugular on, yeah. on that tweet. So at any rate, uh, I would just say, just lay off, lay off her because I don't know, I don't know that she's got any culpability in what went, what went down. So I think, I think what really happens, I also think is that because it seemed like that she and Jeff Johns were so close that I think some of that stink or some of that taint has kind of passed over to her. I, I think that is, I think that's part of it. I think there's a lot of guilt by association. Plus the fact that she was part of the heads rolling at the end of Justice League, but it just seemed like anybody who was in charge, their heads rolled after Justice League. So there's there's just a whole lot of unknown. We, ca- we can't say anything definitive because I-, I can even say that as far as what we've heard, even from our sources and the people who like tell us things, Diane's name has never been one that came up. No. Other names have come up, yeah. but not Diane's name. No, not at all. So Okay. Uh, moving on to some TV news. I got a little bit of kick out of this. The Watchmen news? The Watchmen news. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are going to be composing the score for the series. I I, I, I am so down with that because I love... They work with David Fincher Mm -hmm. a lot and I loved their score for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. And they did Gone Girl and and nothing about Gone Girl particularly stood out to me because the movie, but their score for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was amazing. (laughs) Well, they also did uh, Patriot's Day and The Social Network and um, they actually did the Vietnam War documentary uh, for PBS. Oh, was that, was that what was that a Ken was that a Ken, that Ken's Burn documentary? Oh wow, uh, I'm I'm down for this. That just gives me all kinds of shivers about what this music for this Watchmen series is going to sound like. Yeah, now I got to check myself because I'm not I can't remember if that was actually a Ken Burns one because that came out last year. Ah, okay. That's not the that's not the original one. But at any rate, uh, I mean I mean I I was a Nine Inch Nails fan, so I obviously you know like a lot of what Trent Reznor has done in the past and Atticus. Atticus Ross was kind of a new member uh, to the band. I think he came in last year or, the, or no, a couple years ago. And so, um, but that's just cool. I, I totally, like, I think that music is just going to create a great vibe for that show. So oh, I, I agree. A uh, little DC Universe news. Uh, we have a star girl that's been cast. So production must be moving on that show. Uh, Breck Basinger, who apparently is from a Nickelodeon's kids show, has been cast as Courtney Whitmore. So there's that. So I, th- I only take this news to good because I have no idea who this girl is. But I will take this as signs that that Star Girl series is moving. Like they've got casting going now. Okay, so and I, I didn't have time to Google this, but like, is Breck related to Kim Basinger? I didn't bother to Google it either. <laughs> what kind of show are we? <laughs> well, no. Here's the point. Every article I read, you think if that was the case, every article you read would have made that connection. Yeah. And they didn't. And not a single article I read made that connection. Yeah. So I'm gonna say no because you know that a trade would so point that out. Right. So, um, but she actually did kind of look like Kim. That's why I was kind of like, well, I, at first I, when I saw the picture, I'm like, well, she kind of looks like Kim Basinger. So she must be like her daughter, which I, I have no idea if she's got a daughter or not. I have no clue. But so, but yeah, I was with you because I didn't, any of the articles I read didn't say anything. So I'm like, well, maybe she must not be. No, no. She was born in 1999 in Texas. Okay. Yeah. Probably not then. Yep. Uh, did you see some of the set photos that we had for Titans? And this was the, these are the first photos that I actually saw of Hawk and Dove kind of like in action. Oh, yeah. I I saw them. It's just, yes. My God, comic accurate. 
I know. I, I, you know, I have very little interest in Hawk and Dove, honestly. I've tried collecting Hawk and Dove series over the years, uh, maybe different, three different times. And each time I've just kind of like an eh. Yeah. I, I read the New 52 series, didn't care. They, they were in an episode of Justice League Unlimited, didn't care. <laughs> but um, Don Granger is is the one that plays Dove now. And, uh, and I've always loved Hawk's costume. Like the way they portray these, they look pretty comic accurate. And like, man, I, I think this is probably their best chance to like get my attention to the characters because they look really good in this <laughs> and then brent and then uh brent and thwaites talked about the f batman line from the titans trailer apparently that was added in during reshoots yeah because apparently the fight scene didn't just have a they didn't have a button yeah they didn't have a button on the fight and they also felt like it was important to point out uh i like this quote the, it's a show that isn't about batman and i think it's important for people to know that and maybe not be disappointed that they're not going to see batman jumping from the ceiling and beating up a hundred guys because it's not Batman. It's a story about the Titans, essentially. I feel like F Batman says that in two words. <laughs> I like that. It's very meta that way. <laughs> it is, it is. And can I say this? For as much crap as Zack Snyder got for, you know, the so-called dark uh, takes on the DC characters, you know, on the big screen and all that, it just seems like that hasn't affected anything else because, like, you know, you finally get some DC unique shows where they're not, you know, they're not catering to any particular audience other than, you know, doing what they want to do for their own streaming network. And you're getting kind of kind of dark takes on these characters that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> kind of. We're getting blood and bones, <laughs> and bones crunching and a Swamp Thing series that's going hard R apparently. Yeah. So you know, you're getting Robin doing f bombs, and then you, in the comics you get Dark Label, and you were seeing the you know the Batawang, <laughs> the Batawang. I love it. The Batawang. <laughs> we'll talk about that we, in a moment. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but you're seeing that, and then like, uh, and then you were seeing you know the Joker film. Like, is you know, I don't know if it's going to be an R or not, but I mean, they're definitely going to be taking a you know a pretty hard look at that character again. So it's like it seems like for all the flack that. Um, you know, DC was given for how their characters being treated on the big screen. It's like, yep, it seems like all the other avenues are like, yeah, yeah, I hear you, but we're just going to kind of ignore that. Okay, now let's get to the news that everyone wants us to talk about. It's really important. <laughs> um, Tim, have you picked up your copy of Batman Damned? I have, I have, I have too. I, I got, I got both covers. I got the, I got the A and the B. I got the original and the variant. <laughs> um, and, and thankfully, my comic book store had special magazine-sized bags and boards, so I actually had a bag and board that fit that that cover yeah. of of Batman Damned. Um, I haven't read it yet. Have you? I read the first page. I picked it up digitally. Ah, okay. So has your Batawang already been taken away? As far as I know, the, from what I read, it's already been fixed digitally, and so fixed. I hate that word. I yeah. hate that. Don't you don't you don't fix Batman. <laughs> we neuter him, <laughs> which is basically what happened here. Um, but like I saw the I saw the pictures on Twitter, you know, right away. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> Didn't expect to see that. Well, I, so if you don't know what we're talking about, apparently Lee Bermejo decided to give us a um, a artistic rendering of Batman's penis, uh, which it's it's very tastefully done, to be honest with you. It's Bermejo art. It's in the shadow, and it's just there. It's, you know, it's he has a penis. Yeah. He's Batman. <laughs> and, um, and apparently DC Comics has decided through a couple of different versions of the story we've got. And one thing we've heard, is that um, some real? There's been some group of retailers who's complained, even though it's a black label, and they've made it perfectly clear this was going to be an 18 plus book. Mm-hmm. But yet somehow they're supposed to make it even more. Like, are we supposed to to graffiti the cover with a adults only label or something? Like, we can't all just be adults who go, yes, this is a book that has Batman's penis in it. Can we move on now? Another is saying that maybe the sales weren't going as hot as they wanted to, and so this was a great way to make the print run sell out fast. <laughs> because now digitally and in future reprints of Batman Damned, uh, they will uh, have increased the shadow to uh, censor Batman's uh, Batawank. <laughs> okay, so I pulled up my Comixology one. So okay. I am going to do a quick scan here. So in real time, I'm going to tell you whether or not my copy. Are, are, are you getting cocky, Tim? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have been censored. You have been censored. Yes. Ah, this is why I believe in print. My... <laughs> My two print copies are not censored. (laughs) 
I have been censored. Oh, well. I love physical media. They cannot take <laughs> my bat away away from me. <laughs> oh, but I, this whole thing is just kind of funny to me because, I mean, I, I don't, I've never understood all this, you know, in so many different mediums because, like, in the end, like, it's it's a it's a penis. Half of us either have one or we've seen it's, them. You either have one or have you seen <laughs> okay. one. And it's not a big deal. And if, if you take how we've objectified the female body all these years, you know, like, why is it a big deal that you're showing, you know, you're showing this stuff? And I think the only sensitivity is because it's like, it's still got the thing of like, oh, these are comics and kids could see these. I'm like, trust me, kids are seeing way worse than this. Trust me. It's called the internet. <laughs> it's the internet. Oh, man. And, and you know what? I survived butt fleck. I can survive bat wank. We just... survived bat nipples. So. God. Would you I, rather. Hurts. What's more that offensive? Hurts. What's more offensive? The bat nipples or the bat wang? The nipples. The bat nipples. The bat nipples are way Rubber more offensive. Rubber bat nipples are so much more offensive <laughs> to me than the bat wang. <laughs> oh. But can I tell you, like, just looking at the art in this book. Oh, my God. Lee Mar- Isn't that gorgeous? Vermeo's just incredible. Oh. oh. Pick up this book. It looks it looks incredible. You know what? You couldn't pick it up at my comic book store. This is why I thought it was funny that people were talking about how this was like a sales ploy. Um, thankfully, I had it on my pull list. They were sold out. Yeah. I went on Wednesday. Like, I wasn't waiting on this book. Yeah. I was going in on Wednesday. They were already sold out. Yeah. You couldn't get a copy. So it was either on your pull list or it was gone. So so that's the only thing that I laugh at this whole idea that it's ha- trying to help sales because at least here in Birmingham, Alabama, we wanted our book. You wanted your battle wing. I wanted my battle wing. And everyone <laughs> else apparently wanted their battle wing too. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize you had to buy 10 copies though, Scott. Little... <laughs> you, you, you wang, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, the the bigger reason you, and you know the who. Bigger, the, the bigger, re- okay, okay. Well, I see, okay. Mm. No, the bigger reason to get this book. You know who the co-star in this is, right? Constantine. Scott. Constantine. Oh, Batman and Constantine. By Azzarello. Come on. Oh. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> so anyway, so glad, um, Scott, I'm glad you get to get your, your Batawang. I'll just have to look on the internet to see my Batawang. <laughs> <laughs> we spent way too much time talking about this, but it's way too much fun. It really is. It is. Oh, oh. my God. Uh, go pick up these books these are going to be some great stories it looks like the art's just incredible and and I'm just ready the one thing I will be interested to know and if anyone out there knows I'd be I I would like to know is this interesting format size that they're going with is this going to be the case for all of the black label books that's my one question so like digitally I'm I'm trying to think because it's more squat right the actual book itself it's 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 more square than rectangle more square than rectangle so like mine on my iPad I mean, it's a little shorter top to bottom, but it's still close to like a comic. Size. It actually, it actually kind of reminds me of the old um, golden age size comic books. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, it, it it's it's shorter and wider. Yeah. Okay. Nah. And it has a spine, so it's it's so it's like prestige. Yeah. And uh, Scott, I'm scanning through it. There's another guest star in it. I'm not going to tell you who, but ooh, ugh. don't no spoiler. Oh, this is a character I'm excited about. So, and I'm not talking about the battle wing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is an actual this oh, is an actual character <laughs> oh, oh god okay this oh, is a great there's another character S- oh. stop it stop it this is where we end the podcast <laughs> if you've survived this long we want to thank you for listening it has been obviously a lot of fun for us um, we hope that you enjoyed it too uh, of course we can be reached at Suicide Squadcast on Twitter I can be reached individually at Scott Tw- DC. 27. And then you can reach me on Twitter at Alan Fire. And of course, you can always reach us through email at suicidesquadcast at gmail.com. Please do not send us any of your battlewing pics. <laughs> <laughs> We and do we not just... accept any personal battle-wing picks, none. <laughs> and not on Vero, not on Facebook, not at SuicideSquadcast.com, maybe at Patreon.com slash SquadcastMedia. And for $5 a month, maybe we'll consider it. I don't well, know. Wait a minute. So you've got a price? You're willing? Oh, Everyone well. has a price. <laughs> So we already we already know what you are now. We just need to know what the price was. <laughs> it's the nice guys. I already paid you twenty bucks. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> oh man! So I think we just need to. I think we need to call this one to a close, Scott, before we embarrass ourselves. I, I then go out and keep reading some DC. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
All right, so Scott, what, what do you really feel about the censoring of the Batawang? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do not believe in censorship. I do not believe it is DC Comics' place to take away Batman's dick. I mean, I can't believe they censored this out and took this out. I mean, the last time Batman lost his dick was when he ran off to the Teen Titans. <laughs> No, you deserve this, Tim. <laughs> no, you deserve it too. Let's just let's both be men and do this to ourselves. Oh, without our battle wings. Without our battle wings and do this to ourselves. then you can produce physical media for it later if you so choose. Because that's what Netflix does. That's what Amazon does. Yeah, I'd be all for it. I was going to let you lunch in the Diane Nelson. Sounds kind of inappropriate. Well, only if you were going to go there. I mean, you know, <laughs> you have to talk to Jamie. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know what your marriage is like. So, you know, just that's, that's a discussion you two have to have. <laughs> oh, I wish I could use this as B-roll. I just can't. <laughs> you, you can't. You can. You're choosing not to. Uh... <laughs> okay.